We didn't take two community college classes on uh, podcast development for nothing. Strayer University, call mm. us. We'll be your spokesman. Hey, Russell. Hey, Sean. Welcome to this edition of DC Podcast. My name is Sean. Oh, you already said your name. It's Russell. Anyways, we are continuing on in our series on social justice. That's right. And we've spent a lot of time uh, defining words and everybody fell asleep for, uh, I think we probably lost, we have what, maybe seven listeners. We lost five over the last several episodes. Probably. Yeah. And today we may lose the last two. I I don't think so. Okay. Because we're talking about social justice. We're talking about, we are actually finally getting to social justice. Yep. But we're not going to do anything fun or exciting. We're not going to tip our hand. We're not going to tell you what we think about it in this episode. We're not going to say whether you should or shouldn't use it. We're just going to give the history of it. So why do we need to understand, just to prime the pump, why do we need to know any of the history? of? Why do we need to know something about the history of a term? Yeah, so this term in particular is is super hot right now in evangelical circles. Yeah. Uh, very commonly used in a bunch of different contexts. And that's a good thing. Sure. You know, Christians are caring about the poor and the hungry and the sex trafficked. And they use this term to sort of as a catch-all for the mission of the church. Okay. And so we want to make sure, however, that we understand the origin of that term. Mm-hmm. Because that term itself, it's going to impart a lot of meaning. Yeah. And the history of that term uh if you understand it clearly, you can start to grab grasp some of the ideological baggage that the use of that term may impart to your listeners. Okay. Um, there's a danger in using a term that you don't fully understand the history of and the background of. Yeah. Because you may you may be using a word that's just pregnant with some ideology that that you don't want to convey. Yeah. Or, or maybe you do yeah. and you're just not aware of it. You're a Christian, you care about justice and all the things that you think this term communicates, right? Right. You want to take care of the poor and the widow and the orphan and stop the sex trafficking. And so you may just adopt a term without really understanding where it came from and, and really the full significance of what it means. Right. Okay. So having said that, where does it come from? What chapter and verse? So <laughs> in the Bible? So it's not found in the Bible. Okay. Eh, but we use a lot of words that aren't found in the Bible. That's true. So that's not a big deal. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. Um, but the term itself, as far as we know, originated in the 1840s with a Sicilian Catholic priest uh, by the name of Luigi Taparelli. <laughs> that's a very Sicilian name. That's a very Sicilian name. Yes. So uh, Taparelli basically was writing against a backdrop of uh, the French Revolution, mm-hmm. against a backdrop of society sort of shifting um, he, you know, he lived in a post-agrarian uh, economy. And okay. so you had all of these peasants and farm workers flooding into the cities, into this urban context. And there was a lot of social upheaval at the time. Yeah. And so in this writing, he uses the term social justice uh, probably for the first time, as far as we know. Yeah. He doesn't clearly define it. Okay. But if you read through what he writes about the term, um, there's a couple things that we can take away from it. Okay. Number one, he was using the term social justice as essentially a subcategory of the the traditional conception of justice. The traditional biblical conception biblical of justice. Biblical worldview. Con- exactly. It's, okay. it's a same kind of conception of justice that we've discussed in pre- prior sure. episodes. So, yeah. And he was just doing it in a way that applied to the social arrangements of the, the aristocracy and peasants and sort of the context that he was living in. Okay. Uh, number two, Taparelli actually... In his writing, he defended a certain inequality 
okay. of people. Um, now, he, he definitely affirmed the imago dei, you know, the, the image bearers of God are all equal yeah. as men and women. Sure. But he also recognized that there's inequality in, in a person's station in life, mm-hmm. in their authority, be it, you know, whether they're elected to office or they're sure. born into some yeah. position of authority, and in their merit, in their yeah. individual abilities and accomplishments and so on and so forth. Okay. And then third, his conception of social justice could be applied and really could only be understood within the context of individual human actions. So we see him describing a virtue, social justice as a virtue of an act. So people doing things and those things... That are just or righteous. Right. These are actions, individual actions that we would call social actions that are either just or unjust, socially just or socially unjust. Okay. So as justice plays out in society... It, you are either doing justice or not. You're either being righteous or unrighteous. That's right. Okay. Uh, around the same time, a little bit later, uh, around 1848, we have John Stuart Mill, um, another famous philosopher of... I loved him on The Daily Show. <laughs> he was good. Yeah. Um, John Stuart Mill wrote uh, Utilitarianism. Yeah. It's uh, It was a polemic sort of against another philosophy that he was battling. Uh, so in this writing, he used the term social justice. And Mill had a very similar conception of justice to Taparelli, meaning, uh, you know, he, he understood it from the same framework that Taparelli did. It was still a category of justice as we would understand it biblically, okay. uh, which is interesting because Mill was not a Christian. Okay. Uh, now, where he differed, what is, what's notable about his use of the term was his anthropomorphism of society. For the people at home, anthropomorphism? So in defending his utilitarian ethic... You know, and utilitarianism, utilitarianism being a ethical and moral view where the first principle, sort of the beginning of all moral reasoning is that, you know, whatever actions are good for the, the happiness of society in yeah, general yeah. Are, are right. Most good for most people, right. Whatever actions are harming the society's happiness in general are wrong. wrong bad. And so in his defense of utilitarianism, he describes society as a sort of monolith. He treated society as a person in a yeah. sense. So anthropomorphism is when you take something that's not a person and you kind of make it into a person. Exactly. Right? You give it human-like quality. So he he treated social justice as a virtue that could okay. describe action, but okay. rather than seeing this as you know a multitude of individual actions within a complicated society where people are making free choices... He treated it as you know, society's action. Okay. Um, what society as a whole does. Exactly, which yeah. is very reductionistic. It's an anthrop- anthropomorphism. Yeah. Um, I don't think particularly useful, but we shouldn't be surprised because sure. he's a utilitarian. Yeah. This is how he sees things. And yeah. of course, we would disagree strongly with sure. utilitarianism. But Society doesn't do things, right? right? Society is composed of individuals who do things that's exactly okay. right and yeah. i think mill on you know reading through utilitarianism you see his definition of justice even admits that okay so i think it was more of a rhetorical use in his polemic sure now what's key here though is that mill and Taparelli both had a conception of social justice that was really just an extension or a subcategory of the traditional idea of justice okay. the, the biblical view of justice yeah um, and really, more than anything, this this idea of social justice was a term used to appeal to the ruling classes to attend to the needs of this new mass of uprooted peasants coming into this urban environment. Sure. Um, and social justice really seen more or less as the capacity for society, individuals in society to organize and collaborate and accomplish ends that would benefit the community as a whole. 
No problem with that. No problem with that. Okay. Yeah. Not that we're tipping our hand or anything. No, no, no. Now, also in 1848, okay. same year, um, there was an organization formed in Britain called the Christian Socialists, mm. sometimes called the English Christian Socialists. Now, this group formed basically for the same reasons. You're seeing the same sort of plight of the common worker in the urban environment. And, you know, again, backdrop of the French Revolution, this, these Anglicans are looking at society and saying, hey, we're going to have another revolution if we don't do something. Here. Yeah. Now, the primary leader behind this was Anglican Frederick Denison Morris. He's, okay. he's often just called F.D. Morris. And he argued two key points okay. uh, for this Christian socialist view. Number one, he said that politics and religion are inseparable. Yeah. To which, to which I would agree. To, depending on what you mean, I would agree as well. Well, that's, it's important that you say that because his second point is, and the church should be involved in addressing these social issues. And again, I'd agree depending on what you mean. Yeah, okay. Now, what he meant by this was you know, the Christian socialist view is highly critical of individualism, of free competition and free markets. Um, very critical of industrialism, and they sought to remedy the ills of society through social communes, socialist communes, essentially. Yeah. Now they rejected a strict egalitarian socialism. They they reject. They weren't trying to establish a, a centralized command economy that we would see in what we think of as socialism sure. today. This is more like anarchist socialism. These were voluntary communities yeah. of Christians, Anglicans, yeah. who came together to live. Yeah. In little socialist communes. Yeah. Within the the broader you know laissez-faire capitalism of the society sure. around them. But this is not the classic. Marx, Engels, uh, view of socialism. We'll get there. Yeah. Now, of course, that didn't work very well. What? Yeah. Get out of town. Yeah. All sorry. Right. Spoiler alert. Okay. So, so over many decades of, of this really not getting anywhere, because yeah. socialism rarely does. Uh, they rarely? Rarely. Well, especially when it's voluntary, it's especially rare. Okay. So socialism in a voluntary communal sense is is handicapped because you can't force people to participate. Yeah. But that's what they were trying to do originally. Okay. Now, periods of inactivity, decades of sort of an ebb and flow of interest in this movement. Um, basically, it kind of turned into what we would call liberation theology or the social gospel over okay. time. And leaders in this Christian socialist group also began to identify strongly with real socialism, you know, co coercive okay. socialism, command economies. Uh, they started to identify with real communism, um, where you have the centralization and control of the means of production okay. and the distribution of and consumption of goods. Yeah. So they also started to identify strongly with the Labour Party in the UK. So we saw it go from sort of one kind of voluntary association to a very ideologically... Uh, I would say socialist communist view of how things should be done. Okay. Now the reason this is all important is because the Christian socialists had their own conception of what social justice meant and their view of social justice as it came to be after around world war two, when this, this party and this organization had become very ideologically fixated on, on Marxism, they saw social justice through that lens. And so the lens of Marxism um, you can think of it sort of like a narrative or like a just so story for why things are the way they are in society. Okay. And so seeing society through these Marxist lens, um, they viewed everything as a struggle of class. Yeah. So 
you have the proletariat, the worker, and you have the bourgeoisie, the owner of the, the means of production. Good pronunciation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And this was everything. Everything is explained through this relationship. That's you have right. the oppressor and the oppressed. You have the exploiter and the exploited. You have the, the, the worker and the, the boss. You it's know? a worldview lens. So yes. every situation that you look at, you interpret through this grid. That's right. Okay. Now, a secondary feature of Marxism, and, and this, is, this is very oversimplified, but, but I believe it's accurate, uh, is that you can't, so you look at individual actions, individual stations in life, and all of these things from the Marxist point of view are directed by external forces. So where a person is and the things that he does or she does is not determined by some internal rule of conduct or moral reasoning. It's determined by the forces outside that person. Acting upon the person. Right. So if life. you're rich and wealthy or if you're poor and destitute, none of that is based on anything you've done or mm -hmm. you've uh, or anything inherent within yourself or your own rules of conduct. You're just a product of a system. Mm. And that system is basically rigged from the beginning to either hurt or harm you. Okay. So looking through this lens... Right. And, and 500 years ago, in England, it might have been easier to sell that. 200 years ago. Sure. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so through this lens, the aim then of, of the Marxist view is to put the means of production back into the hands of the proletariat, into the hands of the laborer, and to equalize the you know, get, get rid of this oppression by by giving them the ability to distribute and consume goods all on the same level playing field okay so looking through that lens the and historically this thing has gone really well it's gone viral <laughs> yeah so basically their version of social justice was no longer this conception of social justice was no longer a description of the virtuousness of an individual's actions towards society mm -hmm. Social justice became about equality of outcome. Mm -hmm. Social justice was equality in the distribution and consumption of material goods. It, it became used as a term basically describing what is right and wrong in a society. Okay. Um, and the prescription to fix this, command economy, right? the centralization and control of the economy. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, this became a popular use of the term pretty much after World War II. And, and I think this term has essentially won out. So, or sorry, this conception of the term has won out. Meaning okay. in popular parlance, especially in, in academic circles, when someone says social justice, they are drawing from the ideology of this legacy of the Christian socialists. Um, and the term itself is, is pregnant with assumptions about what is just and what is unjust from the Marxist point of view. So when you say it's one out, you don't mean that everyone who uses the term social justice thinks that we should have a command economy, right? You don't mean that everybody thinks that we should be good Marxists. You just mean that the, that language, the term social justice, is infused with uh, this kind of general ideology. It could be to a greater degree, it could be to a lesser degree, right? But it, it's not, it, it could be full tilt that, full tilt Marxism, or it could just have shades of it. Yeah, that's that's a really helpful clarification. Um, and that's where I come to today's use of the term social okay. justice. So that's the history. Where are we now? Well, where we are now, most definitions of social justice will still attempt to affirm the term as, as descriptive of virtue as seen in a category of individual actions. So these we would call these social actions. However... Um, they'll measure the virtuousness of these individual actions via the equality of the distribution and consumption of goods. 
So they, they kind of want to have both parts of the history of this term, but the, the measurement of what is just and unjust is, is, is seen through a Marxist ideology. Okay. Give you a real easy example. That'd be helpful. If you get on Google and you type in Dot com. social justice, okay. yeah, thank you. The Google dictionary entry that populates into your browser is right here. Social justice noun. Yeah. Justice in terms of the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. So right there, we have a definition uh, that just that assumes that justice is measured not by you know, the social actions of free individuals, but by the distribution of material and immaterial benefits. Yeah. So there may be an element of that to which the you know the person defending this definition will say. Yeah, yeah, there, there's an element of the virtue of individual actions, but ultimately what's just and unjust is measured by how equally things are distributed. Okay. So and I think that's the legacy of this sort of Marxist version or flavoring yeah. of this term. Yeah. So that's the history of social justice. And I, again, I think that's important for us to understand yeah. because the term has not always meant the same thing. Yeah. And even right. today, it's sort of a mutt. You yeah, know, that that takes and draws from different writers, different thinkers, and different ideologies uh, throughout history. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really powerful. I was gonna say something, so you're gonna have to edit this out because I don't remember <laughs> what I was gonna say. That's deep, man. That's so deep, right? Uh, hold on, give me a second. Oh, okay. So when uh, Vody Bauckham, for example comes out and tweets or writes an article or makes a Facebook post and says, uh, you know, I'm basically, I'm not down with social justice. It's just another iteration of, you know, socialist Marxism kind of invading Christian thought. Uh, you know, stuff like this should, should help you remember that even if you don't agree with Vody, that he's not just saying that for nothing. He's not just like a commie hunting, you know, Republican card carrying preacher, right? Like right. he's actually somebody who studied the history of these ideas and these terminologies. Right. And uh, he sees a very strong connection that gives him pause and makes him want to separate himself from that term. It would be very easy to hear that and think, oh, Vody Bauckham doesn't care about women and children and orphans sure. and, and injustice you know, uh, unfair treatment in the justice system, sex trafficking. He doesn't care about any of that. Yeah. And that's not true. He's rejecting an ideology that he believes is smuggled in with the use of the term. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, you'll see people who basically say the Bible is full of teaching on social justice. And if you know some of the history of this, you hear them saying the Bible teaches command economies and communism. Yeah. And it'd be so easy to dismiss them as, well, that's that's nonsense. Yeah, but that's but not what, what they mean. But what they mean is the Bible teaches you to care for the widow and the orphan, yeah. the poor and the yeah. destitute. Yeah. And, and they're right. Yeah. But that's why it's so important for us to analyze the history of the term, to understand some of the dis, you know, the disparities in meaning. Yeah. The connotations that we use this term are wildly different yeah. based on our understanding of it. Yeah. All right. That's the history of social justice. Next time, mm -hmm. we're going to have a little commentary on this. Okay. We're going to talk about whether we think the term is uh, clear enough or helpful enough to be used, yeah. how we should use it, if at all, um, and some of the ways that we want to think about the term as Christians. Yeah. Signing so, off. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned for uh, next episode because... Well, yeah. What book you want to recommend? Yeah. Um, I can't think of Article? 
Maybe you can just post an article. Yeah, you know what? There's a really good article by a Catholic philosopher, Catholic, Michael Novak. Okay. uh, That details basically some of the history of what I've talked about, as well as Friedrich Hayek's analysis of this term. And it's a really great summary of everything we've gone through right now. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more and seeing some primary source stuff about the history of the term, it's an excellent article. And uh, I'll I'll post it on on the description of this episode. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.